You know, the other day I was, uh, I was talking to someone, uh, and we had a conversation, we were talking about high school, right? It's True North, we were talking about high school, and I was thinking about high school, and uh, we were talking about my high school experience. I went to Aliso, if any of you guys are going there, I went to Aliso, uh, so I was talking about uh, how high school went for me, and I was, uh, we landed on in the conversation about uh, pet peeves that I had in high school. Uh, so things that irked me, things that uh, uh, I just didn't like, uh, things that uh, got on my nerves. And uh, I don't know if you guys resonate with this one, but the first one that I thought of was uh, when you'd rip out a piece of paper, and then on the sides you'd have that little crinkled part. kind of looks like a Del Taco fry. It's like really like, it's like weird. I, I don't like that thing. So that was one of my, my biggest pet peeves in high school. Uh, and I mean, all throughout school, I think. And even now, uh, when I see that, it just annoys me. It irks me. Uh, another thing was uh, seeing that uh, the kid that always had the, <laughs> I'm sorry for this kid. The one with the, the backpack that was always open, walking around with the notebook, like, sticking out a sweater or, like, pieces of paper just flopping out of the backpack. And there's usually, like, a sweater on his shoulder, and he has it, like, open with one hand. Uh, that was always something that I was just like, I don't know, that just looks weird. There's also the, in class, uh, the kid who uh, didn't have, like, any supplies. The kid who, like, didn't have a pencil or a paper or a, or a pen, and we'd always, uh, he'd always ask uh, everyone else for supplies. I mean, on the opposite end, also, there's always... Uh, the girl in the back who seems like she, like, owns staples. She had, like, the whole thing back there, like, the pens, the papers, the erasers. Like, I, that was, like, my go-to. So I wasn't, like, the kid that didn't have anything, but I was kind of in the middle. Uh, so those were some of the bet peeves that I had. But one that I was thinking of that I don't think I've heard anyone else have is, uh, and I, I still have it, is uh, when we write papers, uh, the word count was, like, the most annoying thing to me. Like, I, if, she, if the teacher told us that, okay, it's got to be 2,500 words. As I'm writing it, every other paragraph, I look back to see if I'm close enough or uh, how many do I still have. Uh, that word count was like the thing that was most just annoying to me. And I, I still do it now, even in college, where I, I still look at my, uh, at my word count because it's the most annoying thing to me. And, of course, that's just my OCD and something dumb and stupid. Uh, but me and my concern for words is actually something that reminded me that the Bible actually talks about. That the Bible actually... Uh, cares about the words that we produce that come out of our mouths. Uh, actually, I was reading online that on average, we speak about 20,000 words per day. 20,000 words. So let's put that into perspective. If uh, we, uh, let's think of papers. We're talking about papers. An 80-page uh, double-spaced paper is like 20,000 words each day. So imagine if you're writing that each day. That's a lot of uh, paper. That's a lot of words each day. So uh, that, and I mean, think about the week. If you just had that for one day, you could write like a whole novel if you just put that together in a couple days. You could have a whole book uh, with your words that come out of your mouth each day. And so our words are, are significant. There's uh, something about them that is, uh, uh, there's power in them. There's something about the quantity and the quality of our words that are important. And I think that should cause us to rethink uh, how we use our words. Uh, I mean, God says uh, that one day we're going to be judged, uh, examined for everything that we've said ever. And that's if you're a Christian or you're non-Christian. You will, God will see every word that you carelessly said. And so he's going to look at that. He's going to ask you, why did you say that? Uh, why did you not say that? Why did you miss out on saying that? And so our words are really important to God, and they should be important to us. So I want uh, today for our words, for us to realize that our words have power, and uh, there's an intended purpose for them. It's uh, that we would uh, give God glory, and that we'd use them for the good of other people. That's really what our words are for. God gave us mouths so that we'd 
be able to do that. And so you guys have been looking at the book of Proverbs, I know. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. So if you've got a Bible, uh, turn to Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs talking about wisdom and how we can uh, be people who are skillful in terms of our application of God's truth. Today, talking about words, we're going to see how we can best use our words and understand why is it that God gave us the ability to even speak uh, and, and communicate. So if you've got uh, a Bible, look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So this proverb is telling us that there's both death and life. So you can either, either use your tongue or your, your words for the destruction of others or for the good of others. There's only two options. Uh, here's Solomon, the, uh, the one who writes uh, uh, the wisdom here in the book of Proverbs, uh, gives us it in the most serious terms. It's either life or death. You either are speaking life to someone or it's almost like you're killing them. Uh, in the New Testament, if you guys are familiar with the Bible, uh, the book of James is similar to Proverbs in that it offers a lot of wisdom on the same topics. And so if you've got a Bible, turn with me to the book of James, uh, James 3. James 3. And specifically in this chapter, uh, James, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to tell us uh, something about a specific member in us that is powerful and yet really small. So verse 1 of James 3 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so here we get this category of uh, teachers in the church, that they're going to be judged for what they say. And then, it's not just teachers, verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his body, uh, his whole body. We put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us. We guide their whole bodies as well. So another analogy, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so if you think of a rudder, you can't really see it as you're on the boat. And so it's talking about the tongue here as a tongue, uh, something that uh, you, can't, you don't really stare at a, peop, uh, at a person's tongue, right, as they're talking, unless you're weird. But you don't really stare at it. And so the same thing with the rudder. It's under the water, and yet it controls the whole maneuver of the ship. He goes on to talk about something else. Verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, and it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. I mean, think of uh, all the fires that have happened because someone was uh, smoking a cigarette, and they just threw it. It immediately caught on fire and destroyed uh, a, a lot of uh, acres because of the fire. And so same thing as the rudder does to the ship as it maneuvers it, and yet is small, so does uh, fire to a uh, giant forest, and so does our tongue. See, our, our tongue is small. It's a small member of our bodies, and yet has potential to do lots of damage. It's a small thing, and yet has such a giant effect. That's why we, when we talk about words, we need to begin there. We need to first realize that the power of our words is, is something significant. And so for point number one, I want you guys to write down, realize the power of your words. Talking about Proverbs, we've been, we've been studying the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is this common theme. If we want to be wise, if we want to be godly and mature, 
we have to first look at our words. So let's look to the book of Proverbs, as we'll be there mo- most of our time, uh, to see how our powerful words, uh, in terms of the negative sense, uh, can do lots of damage. And so turn with me to Proverbs 12, verse 18. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Uh, and Proverbs are usually split up into two, uh, pr- uh, one principle, uh, split up into two sections. And so we're going to look just at the first part of 18. It says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And so when you, what Proverbs is saying is that when you choose to employ uh, words that are dishonoring to God, it's like you take out a sword out of your, uh, your sheath and you stab someone with it. And so another analogy of uh, words and their power and their effect. In other words, it's, it's saying that you kill someone by the way that you talk, by the way that you speak. There's a lot of power in words. Let's talk about uh, categories of how we can understand how our words are powerful. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 18, verse 8. Just a couple pages away, verse 8. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. So whisper, when we read that in the Proverbs, that is usually referring to uh, someone that is a gossiper. Whisper, I mean, think, think of gossip, right? When, when you gossip, it's usually like, hey, did you hear what she said? Did you hear what he said? Yeah, is that really what she said? You usually whisper. You usually uh, tone down your, your voice. And so the book of Proverbs, when we talk about someone that's a whisperer, it's someone that's a gossiper. And why is it saying that they... Uh, uh, they're like delicious morsels. It's, I mean, think about it. Uh, if we're honest with ourselves, gossip is something that we like, we enjoy. It's something that is enjoyable. It's, 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 uh, it satisfies us when we hear uh, some other uh, person's thing or their problem uh, because we're, we're just curious people. And so gossip is something that is uh, it's delicious. It's like, uh, I mean, uh, I like churros a lot, Costco churros. It's like, for me, it'd be like eating a Costco churro, like something that's like, mmm, that's really good. That's what the Proverbs is saying. It's like, this is so enjoyable. The other part says, um, they go down into the inner parts of the body, and so they totally consume you. Gossip does. And so our first category is gossip, that people, all of us here, uh, love to hear it and love to share it also. I remember when I first became a Christian, I got saved. Uh, I thought gossip... That was one of the things that, like, okay, that, that'd be easy to not do. Like, that's something that Christian, uh, non-Christians do. I mean, that'd be easy, right? It's just your tongue, just, just don't say it. But it wasn't until I got, like, pretty involved in the local church when I noticed that a lot of the gossip that happens here at church, right, this is True North, we go to church, uh, a lot of it is, uh, it comes down to prayer requests. When we share prayer requests, you know, I think sometimes we can just not be, um, just don't think about it, but we share someone else's prayer request that they shared in small groups, and, uh, and then that turns into gossip, because that person now knows, but we never even knew if that person wanted to share that in the first place. And so it, it'd be wise for us to, uh, to not be so overly like, nosy in asking, yeah, so you, uh, you asked that prayer request, right? You said that in small groups. Like, why? Why'd you ask that? Right? It, it takes wisdom to know when to stop like, asking further questions. Because uh, then it can turn into you just being super curious and trying to pull things out. And so we should be careful, especially in small groups. And uh, just as we're hanging out, uh, just 
being aware that, hey, a lot of it can turn into gossip. A lot of it starts with us uh, 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 requesting prayer. Are you overly curious? Of course, this can be tricky because Christians do share prayer requests, right? I'm not saying don't share prayer requests. Uh, that would be a, a big no. Right? You're supposed to do that. But it's knowing when to, like, uh, stop asking stuff. Um, being wise with that. Right? It can be really easy to spread something that shouldn't have been spread. Or, um, or, or, or someone's information that shouldn't have gone out. And all because uh, we simply just, like a fire, just uh, like a cigarette in a forest, just put it down and pop, everything blows up. So we have to be cautious when it comes to gossip. Because it can be so easy. And, yeah, <laughs> just, I hope you know this. Don't go around, like, sharing other people's sin uh, that was said in small groups. Because I think sometimes we don't think that. It's just like you're, you're trying to agree with a person or you're, uh, you're trying to uh, talk to someone about, like, how is small groups? And then you say something. That's what I'm saying. You need to use wisdom to know when to, like, not say something about someone else's problem because that can turn into gossip. And so we have to be wise uh, to not be people that gossip. Uh, look at Proverbs 12, verse 22. Proverbs 12, verse 22. I think you guys covered this one uh, a couple weeks ago. Because lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Something that's detestable. That's what abomination means. But those who act faithfully are his delight. And so God is pleased with someone that is faithful, that has integrity, uh, that doesn't lie. Look at uh, Proverbs 19, verse 9. It says something similar about lying. It says, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breeds out lies will perish. False witness will not go unpunished, and he who breeds out lies will perish. Uh, yeah, there's, there's no such thing as, like, uh, the color of lies, right? There's no white lies, no purple lies. There's only pink lies. Right? They're, they're all lies if you're misconstruing uh, the, the truth, if, if you're not saying the truth. And I, I think it would be wise for us to s step back and think, okay, what are some of the things that I've said this week that were not true? Right? It doesn't have to overtly be like something that was like blatantly a lie. That's what I'm saying. We need to be cautious with what we say. Sometimes we're not aware of it. Like, think about it. Uh, why do we lie? Like, what's the reason for it? We lie because it's for our own like, personal benefit. It's usually to get something, uh, to cover up something, or to get something. Right? We don't want to admit something. It's all about us. Lying is all about me, 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 me. It's just about us. And so we need to be aware of that and, and, and not do that. And so we talked about gossip. We talked about lying. Another part of lying, I found this interesting. In Proverbs 10, verse 18, it says, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. I think if we're honest, uh, we can think of someone that we don't like. Maybe it's in this room. Maybe it's like in school. Someone that we just is like, yeah, I don't get along with that person. I dislike that person. When we hide hatred, this proverb is saying that it's like we're lying to the people that we don't like. It's like we're lying to them because we're concealing hatred for them. And so that, that's, a, that's a both and. That's a problem of, of uh, 
hatred in our hearts, but then also the outward uh, expression of, of lying to them. And so we need to be just we need to check our hearts and ask ourselves, what are the ways that I am uh, being uh, uh, an abomination to the Lord, detestable to the Lord in my lying? Am I concealing hatred for other people? Another category in Proverbs 10, verse 18, the second part, though, uh, it says, uh, whoever utters slander is a fool. So slander, this is our uh, third category, slander. That means to, uh, to talk bad about someone that we don't like, uh, to, uh, to enhance the story about someone else, to add stuff about what it really happened, to leave some things out. That's to slander someone else, someone that we don't like. It's also to examine like every little thing about the other person, uh, trying to make ourselves look better and themselves uh, bad. It's like, uh, man, did you see what he or she did? Yeah, that was pretty bad, wasn't it? And you come out as like the better person. You know what I'm talking about? Like the other person is like the one that was put down, and you're the one that's like on top. That's slander. And I, I think if we don't realize that, uh, we can do that a lot. We just need to be careful that we're not slandering also. Uh, Proverbs 26, verse 28. 26, verse 28. Talks about a different category. So we've talked about uh, lying. Talked about uh, gossip. Talked about slander. Now this one is a little more subtle. Proverbs 26, verse 28. It says, A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. So lying, we've covered that. A flattering mouth works ruin. Flattery, what is that? That's saying something good about someone, uh, but not really believing it. Right? Usually when I think of flattery, I think of like, uh, yeah, if your girlfriend asks you, like, how am I looking? And you say, uh, well, you're really pretty. And you actually don't believe that. That's flattery. Right? That's what I usually think of. But flattery can be in a lot of different senses. Flattery can be so much more. Uh, this comes down really to puffing other people up. And sometimes it has to do with uh, a fear of man because we're too scared to just be honest. Of course, I'm not talking about just like the dress or whatever. I'm just talking about in general. It usually has to do with puffing other people up. And this one's tricky because this one can seem like we're doing the right thing. Right? Uh, yeah. If I came off the stage and I asked you, hey, how, how did I do? And you said, uh, you did really good. What if I did really terrible? Right, that'd be flattery. Right? I would want you to be honest. That'd be flattery because uh, there it's like you're trying to puff me up. Uh, you're trying to make me feel good, which is, right, you, you see how it's like difficult? Because that'd be, a, okay, that's an all right thing. But it's flattery if we're not really believing that. And so we need to be aware of that. Most of the time, it comes down also if we want things in return. Right? If we want to, puff this person up, it's because we want something back. Sometimes it's just, I mean, they're my friend. I don't want to say anything like mean to them. Or like, I don't, I don't know them that well. Like, I don't know, that's not going to end up well. It'd be flattery. It's like knowing what they want to hear, and it's like us just giving it to them. Right? It's really insincerity. That's what it is. And so we need to be careful of that and recognize that. Are we being people who uh, give in to flattery? Now, uh, Proverbs 26, 18 through 19, talks about a different category. This one's, this one's different. It says, uh, 
like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. He's the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. And so this goes out to a lot of us who like to be like the pranksters, the jokesters, uh, the ones who like to tell a lot of jokes. Proverbs says something to you. It says that you are, uh, actually in Ephesians 5, it says that, describes it as crude joking. That when you say, hey, I, I, I'm so, I mean, that was just a joke. Like, I don't know why you're like, like, chill. That was just a joke. The Bible calls that crude joking. And it says that it's not right. It's like you cracking a joke, getting a few laughs at the expense of hurting someone else. We're using language that we shouldn't use, as Ephesians 5 talks about, using crude language. And so, see how we're surveying all the, uh, all the ways that our, our words have uh, power in them. It almost, it gets every single one of us. Right? You got the jokesters, you got the liars, uh, you got the slanderers. It's all of us. We're not off the hook. Like, it's all of us. And that's what I mean. We need to understand the power of our words. Another one. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 2, says, Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. What is that saying? That's kind of weird. It's talking about boasting. It's saying, don't boast about yourself. Let someone else praise you. Say, good job, instead of you puffing yourself uh, up. It's, it's boasting. It's uh, the opposite of slander. It's, it's all about me. Look at me self-aggrandizement. It's promoting yourself to look better than you really are. And I know, we're, again, we're at a Christian church, and so I'm trying to think of how can this touch every single person here. But this happens when we try to look like extra spiritual uh, at church in small groups. Right? We're trying to look more spiritual than we really are, but like, man, I'm not that spiritual. But I'm trying to act this way in small groups or in front of my leaders. Uh, in front of our pastors, right? maybe a, a girl that you like, a guy that you like, right? We're trying to look more spiritual than we really are. That's a way of, of boasting. But you see how it all comes down to just not saying the truth with our words. It can be so easy to uh, sin with them, to do bad, as um, our main text says, to, to, as it describes, death. It can be death to someone else and also to ourselves talking about boasting, if we're someone who just loves to talk about our accomplishments and what we've done, God hates that. He says that that is horrible. That should scare us. Proverbs tells us, don't let praise come from your own lips. Right? The solution is that, hey, be humble and let other people tell you how you did. That, hey, you did that really well. Right? But don't be the person that's like, yeah, man, check me out. Like, I'm on this team. I go to this school. Don't be that person, because God hates that. If we seriously and honestly evaluate the way we choose our words, uh, I know how we'd be feeling right now. Conviction. First Corinthians 7 talks about uh, uh, conviction, the conviction that we feel. Uh, conviction, God always wants us to move from that. Right? It's never to sit and just bask in the conviction. Bible always tells us that conviction should move us and propel us to confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. Doing something about it. Uh, go to Proverbs 28, verse 13. It's a great proverb telling us, okay, we've gone through all these proverbs. Like, okay, Jose, I feel terrible. Like, you've gotten like four different areas in my life, and I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. What do we do uh, after that? 
28, verse 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, right? If you're sitting there and thinking, nah, it's not for me. It's not that bad. If we hide that, we're not going to grow in godliness. He says, but he who confesses, confess, what does that mean? That means to agree with God, saying, yeah, God, I am a liar. I am a slanderer. I've been someone that, you know what? I am boastful. Agreeing with God, confession, and then forsaking them with uh, them will obtain mercy. Forsaking that, I mean, think of repentance, metanoia, that's to turn around from your sins, uh, to say, I'm not going to live this way, I'm going to live the other way. You know what? It seems like I just identified a lot of different areas where, uh, where I sin with my mouth. God, how can I live differently this week? That'd be uh, confession, you agreeing with God and you forsaking it, saying, God, help me by your spirit to, uh, to say no to these things and to actually be pleasing in your sight with my words. And so just making that clear, because I know when we, when we talk about words, it's like, man, that always like, uh, uh, that always hurts. Like, I'm there, I, I got that. Bible wants us to not stay there, but to move towards uh, renewal, newness of life, as Romans 6 talks about. Newness of life. You can ask God for forgiveness. And, and something that I always uh, say to my narrow guys and that I've heard from someone else is, you're not looking as a Christian for perfection, you're looking for direction. And so if you think of a graph, right, we're not looking towards uh, going straight up where it's like perfection, because it won't be like that. But it, it's, it's always going up. It just always won't, it won't ever like go down. It's always going up, but it's going to be bumpy. And so if you're there right now thinking like, man, yeah, lying, slander, gossip. Yeah, that's me the past week. Not perfection, but direction. So once we understand the power of words uh, and the ways we use them for bad, like, okay, it seems like the scriptures talk about these, all these different ways that we can use them for evil question we should be asking on the opposite end is, okay, well, how can I uh, sin less this week with my words? That'd be a good question to ask. How can I sin less with these uh, this week with my words? Uh, turn to Proverbs 18, the text we were in originally. Proverbs 18, verse 13, uh, and 17 we're going to read also. It says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Verse 17 also says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So both of these Proverbs, same chapter, we're talking about, uh, you've got to make sure that you hear before you speak. And so if we're talking about solutions, strategies, right, we feel this conviction, how are we going to now move to uh, resolutions? First thing is, we've got to hear before we speak. If we could just do that, Scripture says that we'd be more pleasing to God with our words. That's why for point number two, I want you guys to write down, listen before you speak. Listen before you speak. I was at a park last night in uh, Irvine. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I was, uh, there was a lot of, so I was sitting on a bench, and I saw uh, towards my left, there was a lot of people, like, looking towards a, uh, a little bridge that went over the river, this little creek. And so I look over there, and I'm like, what's going on over there? And uh, I'm curious, and I'm like, why is there so many people? There was probably, like, 20 people around it looked like there was two people in, in the middle. And so they're around them doing this, like, you thing. And so they're around them. Their backs are, are towards me. And so I, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, okay, what is that? Like, what's going on? And it seemed like it was an old lady, like, in the middle. So I'm like, okay, what's going on? That's kind of weird. Uh, and so I was curious. And so uh, I walk over to all these people that are surrounding this lady. And I see that this lady is like a bird lady. 
He has a, a bird t-shirt. It's like a giant bird right here, a t-shirt. And she has like three birds on her arms. And I'm like, what the, what is that? And when I think of a bird lady, I immediately thought of like, you guys seen Home Alone, uh, like the New York one, right? When you think of like that lady with the pigeons. Like it wasn't like that. Like this was like a legit like bird lady. Like this was, she had macaws, like parrots on her. And she like, it was kind of cool. She was like, she was like this. And she had like three parrots on her and a parrot shirt. And I'm like, this is a legit like bird lady. And so I go over there and I watch these birds. And it's just the weirdest thing. I'm just at the park and I see like a lady with birds and a bunch of people like taking photos and uh, and videos of these birds. And so, uh, yeah, I go home that night and I, I was intrigued. And so I hop on the Google and uh, I go on a, on a, a macaw binge. I watch a bunch of YouTube videos and uh, I was watching a bunch of parrot videos about like, just what they do, like what they're about. Because uh, there, was, there was one there that was like, uh, it was a white one, and he was, like, hopping up and down. It looked like he was, like, breakdancing. I was like, what the, what is this? So I was just, like, super intrigued. And so I, I'm on YouTube, and I was reading this article uh, that was talking about how important it is uh, uh, for macaws to be trained, uh, not only to talk, right, because they can talk and mimic, uh, but to, to listen well. And so it's a both and. It says that uh, if they, uh, they can't talk, if they can't listen well, which is obvious, but I've just never thought about that. Uh, when, when someone is training a, a macaw, a parrot, uh, they need to train them both to listen well, but then also to speak. And the speaking part is after. And so obviously I'm not saying we're parrots, but I thought of that same thing last night uh, as I was thinking about this. It reminded me a lot about us. Like a lot of us, including myself, we're, we're great at talking. We're not great at listening. Uh, and God, as we just read in these two verses, would rather have us listen first and then talk and then speak. It's... It's foolish to talk or to respond to someone before stopping and, and considering what they just said uh, and then just spouting out something. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 2, if you drop your eyeballs to verse 2, it says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And so the Bible says that you're a fool if you're not even listening to, imagine you're in a conversation, you're not listening to the other person as they're talking. It says that you're a fool. Imagine I've been there before where you're just waiting to get your answer out, whatever you want to say. Uh, and it's almost like we're, we're just really impatient. We just want them to stop talking because we want to just give our opinion. The Bible says that you're a fool if you do that. A wise person waits to listen before saying anything. See, a lot of us can be quick to formulate our opinion before we even get, like, the full story, right? Before they're even done talking. The Bible says that we need to be slow. And consider what they're saying to hear them out. Verse 17, look at verse 17 that we just read. It says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. It's talking about making sure we hear out both sides of, uh, of an argument, of just a, a conversation, a discussion, right? Even just here in True North, right? If someone tells you something, make sure you hear the other side. That's what it's saying. And so, I mean, think about it. If we don't hear the other side of it, who are we going to believe? I mean, the only side we've heard. And so that's why it's like, this is like a duh. Of course, you've heard that. There's, there's two sides to every story. Which one are we usually most biased to? It's usually the first one, right? Because that's the one we've heard and we don't really think about the other person. Uh, think of it in the context of what we just talked about in point one. The gossip, the lying, the slander. Right? If we are on the, uh, the, the uh, we hear all that. We hear someone just say something about someone else uh, in that small group. We need to be slow to uh, listen to both sides. Right? If it's something serious, go ask that person. 
hey, was that really true? Uh, is that really what's going on? Right, you need to be slow to listen. Right, it happens with lying, with slander, with boasting, with gossip. Really what you should do, what I should do is to be careful to believe when we first get told something. That's just a general, just good principle. Right? Be skeptical if someone tells you something about another person. Right? Like, don't like, over-exaggerate and just completely go crazy or tell someone else. Proverbs say, hey, you need to chill. Like, stop. Go ask the other person before. Get both sides before telling anyone else. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw this. I mean, thinking about uh, revival a couple weeks ago. I saw this in my junior high guys. Right? I'd walk into the room. There'd be like someone like, they'd just be going crazy. I don't know, throwing stuff. They'd be like eating candy. I walk in. I'm like, hey, who, whose candy is this or whatever? And I'd like ask him. They'd say like, oh, it's that guy's. I walk into the other room and I talk to another guy. And then like everyone would be like versus each other. And so if we don't get both sides, right? If I just just uh, totally went off on the the guy who I saw throwing the I don't know the the Twizzlers or whatever. If I went off on that guy without talking to the other guy. I wouldn't be well. I wouldn't be good. The Proverbs tell us, hey, you got to hear out both sides. That just makes you a wise person. That's just a general principle that we should keep in mind. Right? And of course, it's not just junior hires. It's all of us. Right? We need to keep that in mind, hearing both sides out. Are you someone that is quick to believe something that uh, someone just told you? Right? Maybe it's about someone else. Right? You totally over-exaggerate. Go talk to someone else. Proverbs say, hey, listen before. The Bible says that you'd be wise if you're careful to respond and careful to believe something that someone else said about someone else. It's like you need to slow down. Uh, Proverbs 10, verse 19. It's a really good proverb. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudence, is wise. So in other words, if you just say less, you will sin less. If you say less, you're going to sin less. I mean, just think of that logically. Like, think of the inverse then. If we talk a lot, like, okay, we, we said 20,000 words, right? If you talk, like, 50,000 words, you have a higher percentage of, of you actually uh, sinning, right? So just logically, if you say less, you're going to sin less. Proverbs say that's a good thing, right? <laughs> I don't think God's not telling you to be, like, a monk or something, or, like, go out into, like, wherever, a monastery or something, and take, like, a vow of silence for the rest of your life, right? It's not saying that. It's saying we just need to be cautious with our words. Can't use our words carelessly. We need to be wise with them. It would be good if more of us just spoke less. That's just the reality. That's what the Proverbs are teaching. It would be good if we just spoke less. Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Right? You're going to be in more trouble if you talk more. That's just the logic of the Proverbs. So if we just talk less, be more wise in our words that we actually employ, we're going to sin less. Uh, I said James earlier is uh, like the New Testament equivalent of, of Proverbs. Uh, it says that in James 1.19, it says, uh, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We've got to be slow, slow to speak, and slow to anger. It's about slowness. Calm down. Be slow to that. Uh, look at Proverbs 26, verse 20. It's another good one. Proverbs 26, 
verse 20. says, um, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. When there's no whisperer, remember that's gossiper, uh, quarreling ceases, fights. For lack of wood, uh, the fire goes out. Thinking of like a couple weeks ago, we had a, a bonfire for the bridge. And uh, I remember me and Caden, you guys remember Caden? <laughs> I miss him too. So uh, I remember we were at the bonfire and we were like stressed because like we didn't uh, know if we, uh, we didn't have any more uh, uh, firewood. And so we were wondering like, man, uh, we're, the bonfire is going to stop. Like, it's early. Like, man, it's, it's not even that late. And so I, I remember being in this specific position. Uh, as this proverb is saying, for the lack of, of wood, the fire goes out. And so, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. Like, think of the, the sins that uh, we do with, uh, with our mouths that we just talked about. All the different categories, lying, gossip, slander, uh, uh, boasting. Like, if only we could stop these. The way that we do that is if we just limit our words. If we limit our words, we wouldn't give in to those sins. Like, just logical. Like, uh, limiting our words is going to help us so much. And that takes restraint. Like, not putting uh, uh, wood into the fire. Stopping that. Like, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, someone in the patio, like, if they were to, do you think they would consider you as wise, as a wise person? Proverbs say that someone that's wise is someone that uh, doesn't speak very much. That's what we just read. Uh, in Spanish, like my dad used to say, callate y oye. It's like, okay, shut up and, and, and listen. Uh, stop talking and listen. Callate y oye. Speak less. Uh, look at Proverbs 17, verse 28. It says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. See that? We're more silent this week. We're going to be wise. God says that with Demio as, as a wise person. It says uh, when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. God says that you're intelligent if you just close your lips this week. Right? Obviously, you've got to talk. What he's saying is use those words that you actually employ wisely. Know why you're saying things. All right, now, okay, if you're a good student of the Bible... Uh, it's a lot of you guys here, you're probably thinking, okay, what about the heart? Like, doesn't Jesus in the New Testament talk about the heart and words? Like, don't those have uh, some relationship between them? Yeah, Jesus uh, talks about what comes out of our mouths. Uh, he says that that refers to our hearts. It starts with our hearts. So flip to the New Testament in Matthew 12, verse 33. Matthew 12, verse 33. Jesus here talking to the Pharisees in 33... We're going to read to uh, 34. It says, uh, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Right here, here we go. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, the way that you speak is a reflection of what's going on inside in your heart. That's why we started with point one, that our words are super powerful. They reveal what's going on inside. They reveal the state of our heart. Right, so some of you maybe here are like, you know what, I, I do slander people. Think about the implication of what Jesus just said. What does that reveal about your heart? 
it reveals that, you know what, you're probably holding on resentment or hatred towards someone else. If you're someone who slanders, right? So think of all the categories we talked about in point one. Now think of like, what is the implication? What does that reveal about my heart? Right? If you're someone who boasts a lot, right? Because you're prideful. Right? If you're someone who gossips, right? Are, are you a, a person who just wants to know everything? Right? Want to know, uh, you just want to know the new thing. Right? Something's wrong with your heart. There's something messed up in your heart. See, the tongue is sort of like the monitor of your heart. The tongue is like a monitor of your heart and what's going on inside. It shows what's really going on. Ask yourself the question, what do my words say about me? Even think about the last week, this past week. What have my words uh, said about me, about my heart, about what's going on inside? Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 32 says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. So in the Old Testament, the guy who would uh, subdue a city, who would take it over, was like the guy. Like that was like the man. This proverb is saying is that, you know what, it's a farter... It's a, a far greater accomplishment to, uh, to control, to subdue, to take dominion over your spirit and what's going on inside than to actually subdue, like, an t- entire city. That's a far greater accomplishment. Like, that's so much bigger in God's eyes. If you can control your tongue, your words, and what comes out, that's way bigger than you taking over a whole city. Which, just a caveat, I guess, by the way, also. You have, yeah, it, if God has not given you a new heart, uh, Ezekiel 36, it's going to be really hard for you to just keep trying to say less, right, as I said, say less, and just be wise with your words. If God has not changed you from the inside, your outside is not really going to work out. And so, uh, if you're not a Christian here, it's going to be pretty hard to, uh, to say no and saying, you know what, yeah, I'm going to use these wise words. No, what we need to do first is we need to make sure that you are born again, as, he, as Jesus talks about to Nicodemus, that you are uh, changed from the inside out. You need to get saved. Right? That's the way that you have freedom from those uh, uh, slavery to, uh, to sin in terms of your words. Right? That's just a, a caveat. Just making sure that, hey, you know what? You need to be changed from the inside out, and that's the only way you're going to have lasting victory progressive victory. Uh, in Proverbs 18, verse 21, as we read, it, uh, it talked about death. What about the other part? It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Right? Life. Our words are powerful, think about it, not only because they can cause damage, but also because they have the ability to do the good also. So uh, it's not just the bad, but let's think about the good now. We can use our words to give life. So for point number three, I want you guys to strategically use your words. Right? We've thought about, okay, the bad that we can do with our words. Now, what's the good that God wants us to do with our words? When I think of words and speech in like a general sense, uh, I think of one of my favorite psalms, uh, Psalm 19. Uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, uh, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Uh, there is no speech, nor are there words. There it's talking about creation speaking. So in a general sense, creation speaks. Okay. Uh, I said this when we started. What is the reason why God even gave us the ability to talk? 
like to speak, to say words. Think about it. If creation speaks in a general sense, we can, uh, being in, made in the image of God, can attribute glory and honor to God by our words. We can specifically do that. We can give God glory and honor by the things that we say. Uh, James 3.9, great verse. It says, with our tongue we bless our Lord and Father. And it talks about the opposite also. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That's the intention for God giving us the tongue. That we bless him, that we give him more glory. Glory, that means weight. To give him uh, proper reverence, to give him honor. Saying, God, yeah, you are the creator. I'm going to bless you. That's what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. God gave us our tongues, our words, to bless him. How are we doing with that? Right? I think we can't start until we realize that, you know what, our words are not even for us. Think about it. All the sins that we talked about before, who were those all for? Me. Like, you. They're all about us. They're all for our own personal gain, our own personal benefit. But once we realize that, you know what, our words aren't even for us. They're for God, his glory, and for the good of other people. That's when we start to change our perspective. You know what, I'm going to use my words for good then. All our sins that relate to words are, are selfish. It's all about us. Who are they benefiting? Us. But God intended for our words to be for the benefit of him, for his uh, praise, we just get this into our minds, that would totally change and transform that way that we use our words, the way that we talk. Uh, you guys know this verse in Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, right? That's the negative. Don't do that. But only such is good for building up. That's the purpose for why God gave us our words, that we'd build others up. The purpose of our words is to build others up. Think of the word edification. You've probably heard that. It's a church word, edification, to encourage, to build up. God gave us words so that we do that to other people, so that we'd employ those strategically. Earlier I read um, Proverbs 12, verse 18, and I didn't read all of it uh, purposefully. The second part says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. If the use of your words, if you use them strategically, you can comfort someone. It's almost like you're healing them with your words. God wants that. He wants us to use our words so that we'd heal people, that we'd comfort people, build them up. Right? How do we do that? It starts with dispensing biblical wisdom. Right? It starts with uh, dispensing uh, biblical truth to someone in your small group, to a brother or sister, talking about biblical truth, uh, comforting them with God's word. Look at what uh, Proverbs 15, verse 2 says. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge. Verse 4 of that same chapter, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of fools. Now think about it. What is the application? Think about it. You can literally change someone's day by the way that you choose to employ your words. You can change someone's mood just by using your words. You can change someone's attitude just by using your words. And see, God created us for that. And that's all uh, up to you using your words, strategically directing them for the good of other people.
I mean, think of the inverse. Think of the last time someone did that for you, where you're like, you know what? Someone actually did use proper words to me, and they were like healing to my bones. They were like, they were comforting to me. Uh, maybe it was like they just called you at the right time, at the right place. I've had that where I've had a text come in at the right time where I'm just feeling down. And it's like, boom, that was a God thing. Like they just said the right thing right there. Or in small groups, your small group leaders, uh, your pastors, they say the right thing. And it's like, uh, that's what I needed right now. Your parents. Think of all the times that you've been on the receiving end. What I'm saying is now we need to be uh, on the offensive end. We need to do that to other people. Because God created us for that. Right? How are you using your words to bring healing to other people? How can you do that this week? Thinking about, okay, we talked about biblical truth, biblical wisdom. That's what we give off. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went to uh, the bridge retreat, and we went to Yosemite. And uh, we went to uh, go on a hike to, it's called Vernal Falls. You guys been there? It's so it's crazy. Insane. So it's this giant waterfall, super awesome. And so we decided to uh, go up there. And the plan was, okay, get up there and we're going to eat lunch. And so we ate lunch up there. And after lunch, we were going to go into these pools that were on top of um, uh, the waterfall. So uh, there's like these pools that are normally there. And so we were looking around and the pools aren't there. And we're like, what the heck? What's going on? It's not there. But we noticed that uh, there's people there. And so we asked someone and uh, we asked them, where are the pools? Uh, and they say, well, they're right there. And so uh, the pools were, were not really there. It was a bunch of, the water was all like rough and uh, it was crazy that day. So I guess uh, it's one of the only seasons in a while that it's, it's been that rough. And so there was no like pool. It wasn't like calm and collected. And so we weren't able to swim. And so we we're looking around for the pool and the guy told us that and we we're like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And so we just sat there. But originally we were going to go into that pool because we thought it was going to be this calm, collected uh, supply of water. When I got there, it was like the, the pools were like overflowing. Like it wasn't normally where it was supposed to go. And so you got the pool and you got the waterfall over here. And so the pool was like the one that was supplying the water going off the waterfall, off the cliff. Maybe you think about biblical truth. How is our supply of biblical truth? Is it overflowing? Is it dry? Do we have anything even there that we can give off? I know we're talking about like uh, building others up. But for that, we need to have at least like some reservoir of, of stuff to be able to say, to comfort people, right? And so I'd encourage you, consider that. How can I uh, build this uh, reservoir of biblical truth when someone needs it, I can then dispense it and go over the cliff and I can give it to them? How's your supply of biblical truth? Really, it starts with, I mean, think about what's the most practical thing. Think of Bible memory. If you memorize verses, like that's the most practical thing. Think of the most, like do not be anxious. Right? Um, yeah, do not be anxious. Think of things that your friends would want to hear that would encourage them, that would uplift them. Right? Are you able to encourage someone else? Also, thinking about the heart as you talked about, what's coming into your heart? Right? Maybe it's like, you know what, it's pretty dry there. There's like no reservoir. Okay, let's check our hearts. What's going in, right? What's going to come out is what's already in. And so what's already in right there? We need to check that. What's coming in? What are we allowing? What are we not allowing? Let's be wise and do that, right? And in order for you to bring the right words in um, and then dispense it to someone at the right time, 
we've got to make sure that we're filling our minds with the right things. Think of Philippians 4.8, things that are true and honorable and lovely and commendable. Those things are the things that we should be filling our minds with so that then we could properly dispense them to someone in need and then uh, fulfill why God even gave us words to build others up, to edify them, to encourage them. Living up to the purpose for why God even allows us to speak and give us and gives us words. There's a video that I was watching the other day. I was watching a video about the Titanic. It was about this guy uh, who collects artifacts from the Titanic. Uh, this guy named uh, Bill Saunders, and he was talking about just how gross it is when they like pick up the artifacts. It's like all wet and rusty and disgusting and putrid and and rotten, right? If you can imagine, they've been there for a long time, and so when artifacts come up. It's gross. So he's talking about that. And uh, in this interview, uh, he's talking about this one, this one day that happened in his lab, which just blew his mind. Bill Saunders, he was a scientist, uh, was talking about uh, that one day he recovered these artifacts. And uh, he opens this satchel, and out comes a, uh, a, a, a perfume, perfume vial. And he's like, what the? And this is what he says. This is how he describes when he opens it. He says, suddenly someone... Suddenly, somebody opens up the satchel, and out comes the fragrance of heaven. It's all these flowers and fruity flavors, and it's delicious. It's the most wonderful thing you've ever had. It was just a completely overwhelming experience. It was like the fragrance of heaven went through the room. Instead of being surrounded by all these dead things, for those few minutes, the ship was alive. It made me think about just the power of that fragrance that it had on him I wonder, what's the fragrance of our words, and how does that affect other people? This guy was experiencing the good stuff, right? He was experiencing life from this perfume. And he had, in comparison, death all around him, all the rotten stuff. And so he's able to say this. How would people be able to say that about us? How is our fragrance? Is it life or death? What do we give off? I mean, think of all the areas we talked about. Are you giving off life or death with your words? My prayer overall is just that you would sin less with our words this week and for the rest of our lives and properly employ them, uh, pleasing God, uplifting other people. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for uh, words that you say that you're pleased when we use them properly. Just pray that uh, any conviction that we might feel uh, would now spur us on to uh, repentance and asking for forgiveness from you. And you're a God who uh, supplies the strength and uh, the wisdom to know how to properly use our words this week. And so I, I pray for your spirit to help us to do that, uh, to uh, please you with our words, that the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, that you would that we'd be confident on that day when you evaluate our words. God, help us to do that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.